What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight. You are no BS source for thriving with diabetes. My name is Taylor Danielle, and if you are returning, welcome back. If you're new here, welcome. I hope that you are having a great day, week, wherever you are when you are listening to this. I am really feeling a lot better. I know the last couple episodes, there have been some some moments. But today I really wanted to dive into something that I know anyone living with diabetes understands and have gotten some interesting information about how we're all dealing with this. And that's the fear of going low. Binge eating is definitely a thing that comes to mind when I think about going low because in that moment where you're shaky and you're sweating and you feel like you're going to pass out all you know is consume everything until it stops and so i wanted to dive into this a little bit more about my experiences with going low as well as trying to manage and limit myself from binge eating and how you can too because nobody likes the feeling of having a low like it's, it's not a fun feeling and nobody likes the feeling of after you treated a low because you just had to stuff your face as fast as possible and hope for the best. And then you get to the other side of it and now you don't feel so great either. So I think this is going to be an interesting one to talk about. Our friends at DQ&A have provided some really cool information to, you know, help us understand it and realize how common this is. So let's do it. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes, and it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset, perspective, and nutrition, together we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk, but for diabetics. Minus the entanglements, though. So let's do it. Good old Lowe's. And I don't mean the hardware store. Yeah, I never get them hyper hypo glycemia hyper hypo i don't know it i don't whoever decided to name them pretty much the exact same by changing one letter is loki trash (laughs) i'm trying to remember which one has always been a struggle for me but anyways having low blood sugar it is never fun and especially when it's in the middle of the night and your alarm is going off or you wake up feeling weird. Before my CGM, I would wake up in the middle of the night starving. And I'm like, why? And then later learned after getting a CGM that it's because I was dropping. And I'm glad I listened to myself to go ahead and eat because it's very dangerous if you go super low and you don't get the blood sugars back up. So I wanted to chat about this kind of fear that people have and how binge eating tends to flow into that. And for those who may not be familiar exactly with what low blood sugar feels like, I will challenge you in that you probably have, you just didn't know it. And I'm talking about hangry. 
And if you've ever experienced hangriness, it is typically from when it's time to eat and you feel a little funny and sometimes you might get a little hot and you can't focus and you're agitated all probably because of low blood sugar. It's your you know, body's way of signaling that, hey, we need to refuel. It's the flashing light on your car that's saying, hey, there needs to be something going on here so that way we can keep going because we're out of fuel and we can't keep going. Tank's about to be on E and your body will basically shut it all down just like your car would if you hit that E point, right? It goes hand in hand that everybody who's ever experienced a serious low blood sugar doesn't want to feel it again. And for those of us living with diabetes, it's not always exactly asked for. There have been days where I've had lows and I did everything right. I had the right food. I, I made sure I had stuff on my stomach whenever I took my medicine and I would still get an alarm in the middle of the night saying you 66 and dropping. And you're just like, oh, dang. So I wanted to share actually some of the information that DQNA, the diabetes research company, shared with me about binge eating and how it relates to this kind of collective fear of experiencing low blood sugar. So they did a question in the past of their surveys of if participants agreed or disagreed with the following. So 22% of people with diabetes agree that they tend to keep their blood sugars higher than they should to avoid serious problems with low blood sugar. I can definitely relate to that, especially when you've been living with this for a while, you recognize that you have to stay in this happy middle. And so there have been moments where I've checked my blood sugar and I'm like, okay, I'm at like 115, 100 ish somewhere in between there. And I know I need to eat soon because I'm going to start trending down. And I don't know about you guys, but I've always found or felt like being under 100 was going to start to bring me in dangerous territory. So staying in the like 100 to 120 range, like cool. But if I drop to those double digits that I'm, I check, I notice I check myself more often to see if I'm still dropping or not. And there was one time I was like at 85. Great. And I think for non-insulin resistance and can make their own insulin, that's, I think, a normal fasting blood sugar, like 85, 90. But for me, it's all right, keep eyes on that. Because especially when, you know, your body's operated in a state of high blood sugar for so long, something like that feels weird. And sometimes, especially if you're newly diagnosed or if you've had a span of time like myself where I was really high or in the higher like 150s for a while, you actually start to feel low symptoms as you're getting down in normal range because your body just wasn't used to it. So I definitely can relate to trying to keep myself a little bit higher so that way, especially when my medication kicks in, I'm like even and I just coast. So another thing that came out of this uh, response to hypoglycemia, that's what it is. O is going low. There you go. That's how I remember. Oh, it's going low. Is that 31% of people with diabetes agree that without bothering to test, they take quick action to raise their blood sugars at the first sign of funny feelings. I've also done this. If I notice that I'm getting hot and I haven't drank anything hot, there's no temperature issue in the room, but I'm feeling a little shaky. I, that's what I call it, getting the shakes. I've started to treat it. And again, for my previous point of if your body is operated with high blood sugars for high blood sugars for a while and you start to get a normal range, sometimes 
it tricks you. You're not actually experiencing it. But for those who actually feel their lows, even if it's a false one, you don't ever forget that feeling. Sometimes, yeah, let me go swig some juice when I felt stuff. There have been moments where I've felt an interesting low and it wasn't actually a low. It was actually my body just saying like I was hungry. And I checked and I was fine. I was at like 120, 130 something. But I felt a little shaky and I'm like, okay, my blood sugars are fine, but why do I feel this way? And so sometimes that's not even what we do. We'll just be like, ooh, I'm starting to feel weird. Let me go treat it. Ooh. 14% of people with diabetes agree that they eat or drink a lot more often than they really need to in order to avoid serious problems due to low blood sugar. So something that I now view eating as and why I'm like trying to really tune into myself when I notice I'm only eating once a day is that we're like cars in a sense of we run, we operate and you need fuel in order to function. And so when you start to go low, you're running out of fuel, but you ever fill up and you keep going and they tell you not to like do that at the gas station because then it like spills out, but you keep going either to get to like whenever it, it is, if you're running it, if you set it up and you have the handle, use a little uh, stopper to keep it running and then it stops when it's full. But let's say I like even numbers when I pump my gas, right? So let's say it stops at 2530 and you want it to be an even 26. You keep pumping, even though it gave you the stopper signal that says, hey, this is full, you keep going. And you're shocked at how you keep going because it's like, oh, why did it stop if it's not actually full? And we celebrate it as, oh, okay, I got a little bit of extra gas. So I'll have more fuel to run, right? It's the same thing in my opinion. Hopefully that wasn't too complicated of an example, but when we eat throughout the day, that's the fuel that we're providing. And that's why sometimes I feel like when certain ways of eating suggest eating three meals a day plus two snacks in between, that's part of what it's trying to aim at. But at the same time, for some of us like myself, if my body doesn't have a chance to digest all of that, especially if you have the trifecta of having, making sure you've got a, a fat, a protein and fiber that slows down the breakdown process. At least for myself, I noticed that I'll actually spike myself. So I'll end up with hyperglycemia because I never really stopped consuming. So my body never had a chance to fully digest everything. And so it's just breaking down and raising my blood sugar and just it's it's in this constant breaking down system there's no rest period so my blood sugar stays elevated all day basically because there was no break for me and I have had moments where I either had a really busy day or, or I was going to have a really busy day so I'm like I'm gonna have a really big breakfast and I know this is gonna spike me crazy but I'm probably not gonna have time to eat later and I don't want to crash in the middle of the day or I'll do that and then let me make sure I have a drink nearby that will keep me going so I don't actually have to eat in order to do that. Lastly, 22% of people with diabetes agree that if they think their blood sugar is too low, they'll start eating and won't stop until they feel better. And that's why I started really checking myself when I felt low. So I didn't do that because that's what I used to do. And that's where binge eating really I've noticed for myself and and have you know chatted with others that they go through the same thing is that 
one of one of my diabetes friends, who's also a nurse, has talked about, especially with kids, having to instruct them to treat their low, take couple sips of some juice or eat a snack or whatever. And then you have to wait 15 minutes and her stressing, like, I know it's not going to feel good, but you have to wait that 15 minutes before you continue consuming. Because what ends up happening is that whenever you've experienced a crazy low, all the memes that you see about us eating up the entire kitchen or cooking these extravagant meals or whatever, because you're just ravishingly hungry, which you're not really hungry, but it's just, that's what you feel like. It's just because you're just like, I know I need something. I literally order like four bags of candy in the middle of the night because of a crazy low, because I was out and everything that I had wasn't going to treat it fast enough. It was just all I knew is I need this now. I need this now. And so that's what happens is I remember one time it was Oreos. I like ate half, not like half pack, but like I went through almost a whole row of Oreos trying to treat a low because I didn't feel it instantly. And if you don't use something like emergency glucagon or something like that, I don't have any of those, you know, tablets, glucose tablets or anything like that. I just treat it with juice or food. I kept eating because it's just like, all I know is I need to get my blood sugar up. I just, I need to get it up and I'll know that it's working when I stop feeling this way. Cause you're just in fight or flight mode. And so what I try to do now to prevent me from overdoing it is I'll eat. I actually look at the serving size of what I have. And I think Oreos, it's like, it's either two or four cookies equate to a serving. So I will eat a serving and then I'll sit and I'll drink water because I have time I'm hot anyway. So cold water helps. So I'll drink water, which also helps fill me up a bit. So that way I, I can't eat some more. Or if I do, I'm going to throw up, which defeats the whole purpose. So drinking water in between if you're eating something right, watering down my juice and I've been doing this for a while anyways, but like I typically have fruit punch or apple juice since drinking does get it in my system faster, but I will cut it with water because I'm consuming a big surge and I just need to get myself back even, not crazy spike. So watering down whatever drink that I have helps. Now, if you're using soda, sparkling water, honestly, I'll cut it with that. And that way I still get the bubblies because I do love bubble drinks, but I'm cutting it so I'm not getting all of the sugar and sending myself the opposite way and then feeling sick <laughs> afterwards as I start to feel better. And it just goes to show that just as much as we have to try to avoid crazy blood sugar spikes, we're also even more afraid of crazy blood sugar drops. Rightfully, you can go into a coma. You can have a seizure. I didn't know that until someone told me like, yeah, if your blood sugar goes too low, the body doesn't have fuel. So if you run out of gas, what happens? The car shuts down, right? It's not that it can't be on. It's just, it's not going to run anymore. And you're going to have to push it <laughs> in order to get to wherever you need to get to or leave it and go get gas and come back. It's the same way with the body. It, can, it doesn't have enough fuel to continue running all of the functions. So things start shutting down. And when things start shutting down, 
that's when something like a seizure can happen or going into a coma. And so it's scary. And when you are experiencing a low, I remember I had a low one time and I was hot. Like it was a bit of both. I was wearing a hoodie. It got too hot in the apartment and I was like moving stuff around, not thinking too much of it. And I started to overheat and I was having a low. And so I am chewing on an apple and drinking some juice and then having to sit there and breathe, just taking nice, big, deep breaths. So I didn't just snarf it all down so I could come back up. And then also I was like, oh, duh, Taylor, take off the hoodie because I was drenched in sweat. So I also took that off so I could cool off and really feel out like, am I dropping or is this because I'm over, I'm overheated. And so I did check and I was, but not as bad as it felt. So once I realized that since I had already taken a sip of juice and eaten a bite of an apple, I started working on cooling my body off. And then once I cooled my body off, I would check again. Okay. Still low. And then take another sip of juice and another bite of apple and just waiting as long as I can stand. And sometimes it might mean setting a timer on your phone if you can, or if you have any smart devices telling Amazon, hey, set a timer for 15 minutes or Siri or whatever, because it really can make a difference. And it gives your body time to process what's going on and use that fuel to keep going. One of my friends, she's a flight attendant, and that was something that she had to do for uh, someone on, on a plane. Like one of crazy, like they just use that glucose gel and put them all around their teeth and gums because they had passed out and they came to. So it's just the fear of going low is definitely something that is thought about throughout the community. And obviously the information that DQ&A brought proves that because we always have to stay in this middle ground, this balance, but we're because we don't feel highs in the same way that we do lows, again, it only takes one or two times of a, of a really interesting one for you to be like, ooh, oh, I want to go there. And so binge eating is this flight, fight, excuse me, fight or flight reaction because you just feel this ravishing moment and it's hard to slow yourself down enough to think. So yeah, so some ways that I try my best to prevent that is I, thinking about my meal structure is definitely important in a way there's there's stuff that you can do to get up to get ahead of lows i'm not going to sit here and guarantee that a low will never happen like even if you do everything right sometimes it still happens but as best i can i try to make sure my meals are, are well-rounded so i don't want just a super carb heavy meal where that's all i'm eating and the meal that I think about that where that sometimes comes up is like, I love grits. <laughs> I, I love pancakes. I love baked stuff, muffins, all this stuff like that. So if I have a meal that's like pancakes and then I've got like coffee or juice or something like that and nothing else, then I'm just going to spike myself really high. And then I'm probably going to drop because I have nothing else to slow that process. So my body can use that over time versus half a pancake it depends on the size right or like maybe those little small pancakes stacks if you will and some protein like some eggs or sausage or something like that and then something with fiber in it so i've seen i, I love there's a, a restaurant here that does toss greens with your meal so you'll have an omelet and your side of pancakes or whatever and they'll do these toss greens that works too smoothies I like green smoothies stuff like that so that's you know got fiber in it 
that kind of thing, and a little bit of fat. That can look like so many variations, okay? Especially with cultural foods, I think that's something that we could do better about is really explaining what cultural foods fit those buckets so we can pair them up the right way. Now, I will say coming from Thai culture, it's not really a breakfast, you just eat food. And I started to adopt that mentality now is that I don't have to have breakfast food. But with a lot of Thai dishes, there's always veggies present, both cooked and raw. There's always a protein present and you may have a carb, rice or noodles or whatever. The whole trifecta is typically there. So thinking through that, I'm like, okay, I don't have to have cereal or oatmeal or whatever as breakfast. If I want to have a piece of chicken and some steamed veggies and half a pancake, I don't know if I really just want something breakfasty. Cool. Something that I really like about my friends over at O to the Ordinary is that the way that they've designed their oatmeal is to have that trifecta. So you have protein. They have protein mixed within their oatmeal. They also have fiber mixed within their oatmeal. So that way you do have that slow burning fuel so you don't go super high and you don't go super low. And it helps to keep you full uh, longer until you get to your next meal. You're not crashing or starving the next two hours now obviously metabolism is going to come into play with this too so if you do have to have a snack in between you know breakfast and lunch have a snack not so much <laughs> my metabolism is not burning through stuff like that so uh, it's usually as long as I have a good balanced breakfast <laughs> I sound like a commercial then getting up to lunch is usually good and I know that I, it's time to eat again because I'll start to, I don't want to feel like a low, but I'll get the hunger feeling and then I'll check and I'll see where I'm at. And sometimes if I'm under a hundred, I'm like, okay, I feel good right now, but let me go ahead and start to plan for my next meal. So I think lows definitely make it challenging to want to pace yourself with eating because of how it makes you feel and you get so crazy. I think of like the Tasmanian devil where he's just like spinning and, and consuming everything as he goes. That's kind of what a low feels. And so I think having a an understanding and acknowledging being okay of being afraid of it, but not allowing it to cripple us is really helpful. And then again, planning your meals to balance out so that way you're not going crazy one way or another. That's one thing about super low carb meals that don't always work for me. Now, obviously there are carbs in everything. When you're dealing with a lot of veggies and, and protein and all of that. And for me, sometimes I've actually experienced lows because I didn't have any carbs at all to hold it together, if you will. I'm curious, do you guys struggle with binge eating whenever you're experiencing a crazy low? What are some things that you do to try to help prevent that without overeating or spiking too hard or things like that. Do you guys fully operate off of what you're feeling or do you check to ensure and, and to be sure that you're actually experiencing a low? I, I want to know. Y'all tell me. Hit me up on Instagram. Leave comments on the show page. Let me know. I'm curious as, as to how that works for y'all because it's scary. And I think binge eating is not a fun feeling whenever it's due to a medical emergency basically and I don't know about you guys it ruins my appetite because I end up just like inhaling everything and I don't need to or it makes me cause a mess because if you've ever been up and you're like I'm gonna make everything <laughs> I'm gonna eat I think I remember one time I was treating a lot I think I had like popcorn and candy 
and I'm also heating up some leftover chicken and some veggies and ooh, I think ice cream sounds good. <laughs> you just want everything. So uh, slowing down enough to do that, but also doing your best to prep ahead of time is always helpful. Sometimes when I start to feel funny, I'll fruit snacks are usually my favorite because then I can control because there's 10, 15 ish or I don't know how many, but I'll eat two. And then walk around a bit again, drink some water, scan, see how I feel, scan again. See how I feel? That's always helpful. I know for those who aren't using a CGM, it might mean pricking your finger a couple times. And again, that 15 minute window, it feels like forever, but it's crucial because it's gonna let you know if you should keep going or not. It's hard. I'm not gonna sit here in front like it's not hard because it definitely is. It's definitely hard because you just want the feeling to be over, but slow down. And again, having your meals and an additional snack, if that's what you need, set up to give you that slow burning fuel versus instant gratification. And then a crash later is super helpful too. So I'm really curious to know how you guys manage it. Let me know. Leave me some feedback. Hit me up on Instagram or on Facebook. Let me know how you treat lows. Do you have a fear of low? Do you find yourself being overly defensive to prevent them i'd love to know be sure to follow the show on all of your favorite podcast platforms and remember there is also podchaser.com where you can leave me uh, a review or feedback about this i would love to know y'all stance on how you deal with binge eating whenever you're fighting low or if you have a fear of it and what you do about it so thank y'all for stopping by it's a great week it's almost over Looking forward to 2022, but you know, not in a super rush. I'm going to enjoy each day as it comes. Um, thank you again to our friends over at DQ&A for the helpful information. Um, if you'd like to participate in these surveys to provide uh, adequate information of how those of us living with diabetes are really living with it, um, click the link in the show notes to see how you can get more involved. You get compensated for your perspective. Just saying. I like free money. So until then, thank you guys for tuning in. I will catch you next time. Bye.